wasn't it just yesterday? I remember the diaper stage, thinking I would never get out of the diaper stage. Not me personally, but my children, okay? (laughs) And in the blink of an eye, yeah, the pencil, we've got those pencil marks next to our refrigerator too that go past the freezer. Now your youngest is about to try on wedding dresses because she's about to be married. It happens so fast. Why why are we encouraging you to be a blessing at these elementary schools? Why why do we encourage you to get involved in, in children's ministry and preschool ministry and youth ministry to help fill in the gap? It takes more than a mom and dad to raise a child. It takes a church. I can't imagine where my kids would be at had it not been for the churches that they were growing up in. And there were adults in this church, in Emmanuel Baptist Highland, that were help filling in the gaps of what Susan and I couldn't possibly be all of and God wants to use us he wants to use you to fill in those gaps our mission here at Emmanuel Baptist is to know and follow Jesus Christ and make him known to all people And yes, ministry is helping disciple and teach children and and young adults the word of God here. But it's also outreach. We are to go outside these walls and tell people who don't know of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. The Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. We are the manifestation of the presence of Jesus in the community of Ridgecrest. And God wants to use us. Now, it's so easy as, a, as, as people to, to sit back and, and criticize public school education. They don't need our criticism. They need our help. They need our presence. They need our assistance. And there are teachers in these public schools who love Jesus Christ, who love children, are on the front lines, and they want us to come alongside them and be a blessing to be a help. And so this morning, I want to talk about how to be that help or who does God use to be that blessing? And Paul teaches us two valuable truths in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 26 through 31 this morning. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you. Because God doesn't want any of us sitting on the sidelines. He wants us all involved in the game. And you have something to contribute. So Paul says this in verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. 
Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, and not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, and it became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who does God use? I want to look at two different types of people. The people who he rarely uses and the people he regularly uses. First, God rarely uses outstanding people to do his work. He rarely uses outstanding people. Look at verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Not many whom God uses are wise according to human standards. Why? Why doesn't he use brilliant people? Because brilliant people, they think they've got it all figured out. They think that they're smarter than God and that they don't need God. And they have convinced themselves otherwise. You know, they look at life and everything has a rational explanation. And they don't believe in God. So God doesn't use brilliant people for the most part. Now, are there some brilliant people? Absolutely. God loves everybody. And there's some he chooses to save. But for many, God overlooks. God seldom uses influential people um, for kingdom work. There was a a book that uh, came out several years ago that uh, the title of the book was uh, Praying for 100 of the World's Most Influential People. And this book was uh, was referring to Oprah Winfrey and uh, Michael Jordan and Donald Trump and Bill Gates and other people, other persuasive people. But That's contrary to what the Apostle Paul says. Rarely does God use influential people. Not many of you were influential. Why? Because influential people would get the credit, would get the glory for things that may be accomplished. But rarely does God use influential people. Can you think of five Hollywood personalities that God is using for kingdom work? 
you'd be hard-pressed. You might think of a couple, but the reason why God doesn't use powerful, influential personalities is because they're so focused on themselves and not God's kingdom work. So he doesn't use wise people. He doesn't use influential people. And he doesn't use many noble people. Verse 26, last part of verse 26 is, Not many of you, you were of noble birth. How many times do you see people of upper class being used of God? How many kings or princes do you know that have given up their throne to do kingdom work? I know of one king who gave up his throne, and it cost him his very life when he died for us, for our sin on the cross. God rarely uses noble people. So who does God use? Who does God regularly use? He uses ordinary people to do his work. Look at verses 27 and 28. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. God wants to use the least of these. Remember what it was like growing up in elementary school and uh, at recess and, um, you know, you were going to play a game of basketball. And so there were two captains and everybody lined up on the line. And uh, those two captains were to pick people for their team. Who were the first ones that they would choose? They would choose the most athletic or the, the their friends or the popular ones. And then who was left? Uh, the ones who couldn't handle the ball very well that, uh, you know, wanted to play, but uh, was, you know, they're always picked last or they're just hoping to be on somebody's team. What if God were the captain of one of those basketball teams? Well, according to Paul's words, God would pick the least of these. When it, can, when it comes to people in the world who God calls to himself, he doesn't call the wise or the, the powerful or the influential or the noble. No, he calls the ordinary people. Hey, you who can't carry a tune in the bucket, I want to use you. Hey, you over here, you who think that chandelier is an instrument, I want to use you. You're going to be on my team. You know, people who don't think highly of themselves, that they don't have anything to contribute, you are the candidate that God wants to use for his glory. So God chooses people the wise of this world consider as fools. God chooses the strong of this world. God, 
God chooses people the strong of this world consider as weak. God chooses people the high and mighty of this world consider lowly. God chooses the somebodies of this world who look upon or looked upon as nobodies. I remember what D.L. Moody said about Moses. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life thinking that he was somebody. Then he took the next 40 years of his life thinking he was a nobody, learning that he was a nobody. And then the last 40 years of Moses' life, uh, he discovered that God can use, how God can use a nobody. Friends, the Bible is full of ordinary people that God used. The next time you feel like God, like God can't use you, just remember Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Jacob was a liar, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, David was an adulterer and a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt, John the Baptist ate bugs, Peter denied Christ, the disciples fell asleep while praying, Martha worried about everything, the Samaritan woman was divorced several times, Zacchaeus was too small, Paul was a murderer, Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. What's your excuse? God wants to use you this morning. The Christian life is far more than just coming on a Sunday morning, singing a few songs, and listening to someone preach. God wants you involved on his team, making a difference in somebody else's life. Think about this for a moment. You are here this morning. You are sitting in that chair. You are uh, enjoying the comforts of this air-conditioned building because of the sacrifices somebody else made for you to enjoy what's here today. What are you going to do? What sacrifice can you make that the next generation will be able to enjoy because of the sacrifices that you made? God wants us involved. God wants to use you. And really, there is no excuse. You might be thinking to yourself, I'm not good enough. Stop that. God regularly used the ordinary person in Scripture. Why? Because God wants us not to bring attention and glory and say, hey, I did it to ourselves. No, it's all about him. We only can boast about him, which brings us to what's required. For God to use us. There's three things. I'm not sure we'll get to all of them this morning. Well, we should be able to. We have some time. The first 
is a humble heart. God wants us to have a humble heart. Look at verses 29 through 31. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who because who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Christian, there is no room in and of yourself to boast in who you are today and what you've accomplished. All of who you are is only because of the grace of God in our lives. Jesus Christ came and he lived the life that none of us could ever live. That's the gospel. And when we choose to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, when we choose to believe that it was God, the captain, who chose us to be on his team, we are saved. We can't save ourselves. And this is the difference between Christianity and all the other religions. Every other religion believes there's something that they must do to earn, to gain, to maintain God's approval. That's not what we believe as Christians. We believe that Jesus did it all for us. He even keeps our salvation. If there's something that we must do to maintain our salvation, then we have reason to boast in and of ourselves, of who we are. But there is absolutely nothing that we can do to save us. It's purely His grace. His grace gives us the ability to believe. And when we believe, we are imputed with Jesus' righteousness. Look what, he's, look what he says. And because of him, you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It's he the one he he is the one who has justified. He is the one who has set us apart. And when we believe this and know this, we have a desire to live our life for him. We are humbled. We are absolutely humbled by the grace of God and what he has done in our life. And so we want to help fill in the gaps. We want to help fill needs in various areas of the life of our church. If it means serving in the preschool ministry. Listen, 
the person who serves in the nursery area of our church and who cleans that diaper and who feeds that baby and that baby is well taken care of during this hour, that person's ministry is just as important as what I'm doing in expounding on the Word of God this morning. Understand this. If we have young families that come to our church and feel uncomfortable in dropping their infant off in that nursery area, or they're picked up and their diaper is soiled and they haven't been well taken care of, do you think mom and dad are going to come back to church next Sunday? Absolutely not. If we're going to reach young families, we need ordinary believers in Christ who love babies to care for the needs of those infants uh, during worship hour or Bible study hour. We need people who love toddlers and elementary children to spend time with those kids back there. And you don't have to do a whole lot. We've got people who have responsibilities for various areas of the Awana, of the Awana ministry. But you know what? We need people who will listen to children who have been memorizing verses throughout the week just to come alongside them and make sure that they've got that that verse correct and encourage that that little guy who's memorizing that verse and just love on them for a little while we need people in our youth ministry who will spend time with 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 teenagers and build relationships and and you know I'm here today because of Les Smith Les Smith was my junior high Sunday school teacher. I don't remember one lesson Les Smith gave. But I do remember the class time where he went around to each of us guys in in that classroom and asked what was happening, what was going on in our life, and was genuinely concerned and he would call us uh, us guys up, and he would take us and go play basketball on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. I don't know what. But he would spill, spend time establishing relationships with junior high boys. And because of West, Les's ministry in my life, I wanted to be that kind of person to somebody else. And God called me into the ministry. And God called me specifically to youth ministry for 16 years. And it was because of Les's ministry in my life. You can do that. God wants to use you. But he uses a person who's humble, who's grateful for what God has done in his life. He's, he's grateful for the people who have come alongside him over, over the, or her over the years and poured themselves into you. And now you want to share that with somebody else. God uses the humble heart. God also uses a clean heart. Now understand, 
I'm not talking perfect heart. I'm talking clean heart. Who keeps a short list, short, short sin list before the Lord. Look what David says in Psalm 51. It's in your outline. It says, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Then verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. David knew what it was like to be forgiven, to be restored. We know the story between him and and Bathsheba. And David, being found out by God, called out by God, was a broken man. And he cries out, create me a clean heart. And God did that. And as God did that, David, in turn, wanted to tell others, share with other transgressors the restoration God can have in their life as well. So God uses a humble heart. He uses a pure heart, a clean heart, and he uses a servant's heart. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great, become great among you, must be your servant. I just want to reiterate one more time. God can use every one of us here in this room. God wants to use us in ways that will help families fill in the gap. You can be that presence in their children's lives. How grateful I am for people in this room who have helped fill in the gap of my kids' lives. I think of Gary Noel and Aaron Gage who came alongside my boys, Kyle and Trevor, and spent time with them and cared with them and taught them God's word, taught them the skills of basketball. I know Mark Meyer can say the same thing about uh, his son, Caleb, and people in this church who have come alongside them. And uh, and the Neelys as well as, as with Jonathan. You don't have to do everything. But God wants you to do something. What can you do to be a blessing in somebody else's life? In your bulletin this morning, you have a... Uh, insert that uh, Adele has created for the children in preschool ministry. She's put that in there specifically because she has some tremendous needs. She has needs for people to serve in the child care area uh, once every eight weeks. Uh, there's a rotating system where you don't have to do it every Sunday, but you can be on the list to do it. Once every eight weeks, Adele is on the phone every Saturday filling holes, and it takes hours to get the slots filled. I'm trusting that God is calling you to help fill the gap. Do you have the time to go to Pierce 
or uh, in your current elementary school and listen to children read? Why are we to do this? Because it's our mission to know Jesus and to follow Jesus and to make him known to all people. And that doesn't mean that you go to those elementary schools and you become an evangelist and you just share the gospel. No, you learn children's names. You learn their background. You genuinely care for them. You encourage those teachers who are teaching those children. Thank them for the job that they do. And you will be a testimony in their life, in those children's lives, in those families' lives. And you will be a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people will know that you come from Emmanuel Baptist Church. And just maybe they'll come to church and hear the good news of the gospel. And they'll come to this church because they know that this church cares, that this church loves. God wants to use you, an ordinary person. And none of us has an excuse for him not to. Let's pray. Is God calling you this morning? Again, not to do everything. Just to do something. And please know, if you, if you are a person in this church who does six or eight different jobs, this message isn't for you. You are a blessing. God is using you in tremendous ways. And so don't let this sermon be a guilt trip. No, God is using you. I'm talking to the person this morning who is at the moment just a spectator. Would you make it your prayer this morning? God, use me. God, help me to fill in the gaps. Help me to be that blessing in other families' lives here in our church and in our community. God, I thank you for your word. And and Jesus, we're here because it's all about what you did for us on Calvary's cross and the fact that Three days later, you conquered sin and death and came up out of their, that grave. And because of this, Lord, we have victory over sin and death. You have set us free. And it's you and you alone that have saved us. And there's nothing in and of ourselves that we can boast about. Jesus, you did it all. This morning we humbly say thank you. God, may our lives reflect the gratitude of all that you've done for us. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for those who serve. Thank you for those who are in that nursery right now, caring for those little ones so that a mom and dad can be in this service hearing the word of God. Bless them, Lord. May they know the important role that they provide, ministry role they provide in this church. God, may we all be your servants.